Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD, where the doctor helps you unlock your full potential by equipping you with tools and knowledge in the areas of health, wealth, and wisdom, anchored in his experience as a business executive, a physician surveyor for the Joint Commission, a former mayor, and over 50 years of experience as a general surgeon. You've got questions, he's got answers. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, again to the Health, Wealth, and Wise podcast. We're absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted to have a very special guest with us, Mr. Rudy Chavarria. But two things. I have a, I have a friend of mine who is, um, he's 58, he's changing careers, and um, he really actually hasn't had very good luck with with careers anyway he's uh-huh. a mathematician brilliant um he also is um he was a school teacher uh-huh. mathematics for eight years and uh but he was he was um i'm sorry not eight years five years and he was he was let go from all from eight different school districts in orange county okay and um the thing is, is, he's one of those math teachers that you had when you were in junior high school. High school, everybody hated him. Right. <laughs> People would write things on his on his door. Oh, my goodness. And he was kind of, you know, um, just not the popular math teacher. Got it. And now he's changing careers again, and I just feel so bad for him. Yes. And, and so... And it worries me because uh, I can't help but wonder sometimes if if he might because he's not married he does he's not in a relationship, um, if he would end up becoming suicidal. I understand. He has really really you know uh, he's got a sister his parents both passed away about two years ago, mm-hmm. and that concerns me, and so to to go back to when he was in his twenties, you know and. and dealing with college students like I do mentoring them and high school students, I, I want to see if there's anything that any advice that you could um, help me figure this out with for high school students and college students that are trying to avoid that um, that spot where you can end up when you're in your 40s, late 40s, early 50s, mid 50s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You start to experience um, ageism which some friend of mine just told me yesterday uh, in the conversation that, boy, if you're in your 30s and you're in China, uh, you're considered an old man. Yes. Or in, I think, yeah, 30s, 40s, something like that. Right. Good luck trying to find a job. And so that, I think, is a topic that I'd like to discuss with you on how to avoid, you know, those type of situations of when, like I said, when you're in your 40s and 50s and want to change. And in particular, like, how did you know, Dr. Choctaw, that you wanted to be um, a doctor and your path? And how did you get there? I mean, you just seem you seem so um, on point with everything in your life, that everything was planned, everything. Um, and even when I met you in 85, you just, you know, you walked into the room and you just you dressed 
nice. You had a swagger about you, had a confidence. You were very well spoken. And now fast forward to where you are now, you know, almost 35 years later, and you're still there, if not even more so. And if if I could take that secret sauce that you have and and say, this is how Dr. Choctaw did it. We're going to package it up and we're going to tell you all of you high school students and college students, this is how you do it. Um, I'd love to to hear from you on that, and even though I know you're interviewing me. I mean, OK, no, that's fine. The wisdom would, uh, I think help all those other students that are or maybe people even in their 50s trying to still figure it out and i tell college students and high school students don't worry about it even when you're in your 50s you're still trying to figure it out right 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 well you know i i can certainly um, comment on that and and let me just say to the audience if you're just joining us we're with uh, uh, rudy Chavaria, uh, who is an expert on assisting uh, individuals on their path to education be it college and otherwise um and uh, and we're, we're we're chatting about different things in life and particularly as it relates to education in terms of my story um um, and I don't know. I don't know whether we've we've had this conversation before, but I'll share it with you. I grew up as a foster child. My oh, mother. Okay. Yeah. No. My, my mother was 17 years old when I was born, um, and this is in Nashville, Tennessee. And if you can imagine, if you're a person of color in the Deep South, in the late 1940s, you know, uh, and certainly for girls who got pregnant in high school, um, you, you, you there, there were no avenues for you to finish high school or, or to graduate. Um, and so what she did, God bless her, uh, is that she decided that her firstborn child would, would, would get an education, that she would do whatever she could. Now, there wasn't a lot, you know, a 17-year-old high school dropout could do, but she had a belief system and she put that belief system in me and so to answer your first question and and i say this when i talk to folks particularly maybe individuals who've not had a straight path but who've had more of a circuitous path to get into where they want to go number one be careful what you say to your children be mm. careful what you say to your children because what you say to your children will come true um, she told me at age five, I kid you not, that uh, she wanted me to be a doctor. She said, you will be a doctor, blah, 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 blah. And what was unique about that, I didn't know what a doctor was. We were poor living in the rural part of Tennessee. We didn't go see doctors. We couldn't afford it. And because the color of our skin, we were limited to the hospitals we can go to. We couldn't go to the everybody else's hospital. Um, and so, you know, when we got sick, we went to the lady down the street and she did God knows whatever she did that we felt better <laughs> so I, I have no idea what she did but but my point is intentionality it was her intent wasn't mine. It was her intent that I would be a doctor, that she took whatever disappointment she had and she put all that into her son. And she said, you will do this and you will do that and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. That started me Rudy, on, on, on my course. Um, and even when I didn't know what it was, I used to say, people said, well, what, what do you want to be when you got to grow up? I said, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. And I said, oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. I had no idea what that meant. Uh, but but as I got older, I kept saying it, and um, I, then I had made that commitment to her. 
Um, and so, so I think that's important. The second thing is I do believe that confidence is, is a big deal. And I think that confidence came from her because I said, well, my mother wouldn't ask me to do it if she didn't think I was confident enough to do it. She wouldn't do that. She, and she's my mother. She knows me better than anybody else. So long story short, that, that's sort of how that came about with me. And that has propelled me to this day, to this day. Yeah, brilliant. And, and what about now that you're, you know, you're older or, or um, for some men, they go through what is called menopause. <laughs> yes. Crisis. Yes. When the, when the body starts to change, men lose testosterone more. The I think you might even know more than than me that body or muscle tissues, muscle cells on a man yes. Yes. start to go down. At from thirty, they go down like I don't know ten percent every year. Yes. Um, well, the, the reality is we all go through change, men and women. And you're right. Men go through change uh, just like women go through change. <laughs> women just talk about it more. Men men don't talk about it. Um, I, I, You know, there's no question. I think all of us, when we hit probably in the mid 40s, late 40s, we sort of had what, what some people call crisis. I wouldn't call it crisis, but at least we have a conversation with ourselves. Am yeah. I where I wanted to be? Is this what I wanted in life? Is this is this blah, blah, blah? You know, we, we it's sort of like we take a self-survey, if you will. A yeah. Am I happy? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I think both men and women do that. I think um, uh, women probably tend to be a bit, in my opinion, more mature about it and, and that sort of thing. Men tend to struggle, I think, more with it, probably because we're honest, open about it, um, and we won't talk to people about it. Uh, but it is, it is real. It is absolutely real. Um, and so I think the, to answer your first question, first, you embrace it. You understand that this is not new. This is not unusual. I'm not weird. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm just going through the stage just like teenagers at 16 go through a certain stage. And this has to do, there, there's a lot of genetic and biological um, uh, reason here. Um, certain ages, our body is designed to do certain things. The brain sort of runs what we do. We always like to say um, uh, how I, what I believe affects how I think. How I think affects how I feel. How I feel affects how I act. So those belief systems were begun back in early childhood and, and based on our experiences and what we were talking, what people said to us. Uh, but, but it's something that we all go through and it's completely normal. Completely normal. That was wonderful what you just said. That was wonderful. That's something I'm going to start telling my seven-year-old, eight-year-old son. Yeah, yes, yes. Start now. You, you can never be, and what I believe this because of my experience, you can never be, you can never begin too early. Yes. You I know, agree. there is no downside. There, there, there is no downside, uh, basically, uh, that you you just start and, and and with little things, basic things, staying positive. You can still correct and, and correct the child and, and uh, obviously be a parent, but you can do it in a, in a positive way. Instead of saying you're a bad person, you can say you did something that was not good. So it's not the individual, it's the act. And you can change the act. 
you know, of what you did, you know, with education, experience, blah, 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 but never make them feel bad. And the fact that she told me I would be a doctor, I am now a doctor. I'm sure that their parents that tell their kids things like, you will never amount to anything. You're a bad kid. You're not like your brother, you know, that sort of thing. So you want to, you want to have parents stay away from the negative because kids, people, and we adults, we carry that stuff. We call it baggage. Um, And a lot of psychologists have to do a lot of work to help us get rid of a lot of that baggage yes you know you bring you bring that up how we carry things with us in our lives my grandmother lived to be 93 in the last year of wow. i would i would go stay with her because my mother was living with her at the time um and i would stay two days um 9 a.m to 5 to 6 p.m and that's what that allowed my mom to be with uh, our son uh-huh. she could be with him and uh this is before he was in school and in those times i remember to go along with what you're saying, we carry that baggage. She was 92 and telling me stories of what her parents would tell her. Yes. And I just was, and I could see the hurt in her. Here she is, 92 years old. And still, yes. she recalls the moments where the things that her mother's told her when she was nine, 12. Yes. She was 92. So, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Watch what we say to our kids. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. and, and I think a lot of times, again, uh, this is my belief, and I think there's some biology to back this up. Men have more cha- fathers have more challenges with that than mothers, and and so yeah. one, I, I have two sons, um, um, uh, and so one 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 of the things that I did um, with with my sons growing up is that I would I would tell them that I love them as a father. You know, because, you know, and, and and a lot of kids have what we call daddy issues. You know, my, my dad never told me he loved me. He never blah, 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 blah. Um, and a lot of times we we men don't think about, about that stuff. We say, well, no, they they know. I don't have to tell them. I don't have to. Yeah, you do have to tell them. You do have yeah. to. You need to hug them. You know, you need to show them. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think a lot of it is generational. You know, yeah. in the 40s and 50s and 60s, yeah. men were taught to be a sort I can even think about as a physician. I'm a much different physician now than I was 40, 50 years ago. You know, you, you don't hug your patients you don't cry in front of your patients but but i learned that as someone once said people care about what you do people care less about what you know than 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 how you make them feel or, you know that you care about them and so i've learned that a, an empathetic or a human physician is a better physician than what what your mcat scores are or how how where you went to school and all that stuff yes um, you bring up a good point. You know, my wife does um, cardiothoracic surgery. Um, okay. And um, and she tells me all the time that the, the hospitals are really looking for surgeons that do come from a different... Uh, you bet. And you bet. Fact, the, uh, the gentleman that um, I had a hernia a few years back and the gentleman who, who worked on me when I went uh-huh. into he went to go in to check on the uh, the the sutures and everything was fine. I asked him and I said I said to him, um, "How did you become what you are? I mean, what made you know what you wanted to be?" And he said to me, and he leans back, he's holding onto his clipboard, and he says, "I was actually a fifth grade elementary school teacher for four years. Okay, I, I went to medical school." And I said, and I and then I said, "No wonder why you're such a good doctor." 
yeah. because you get it. You you knew what it what it took to to you know harness twenty nine or thirty two different fifth graders and communicate with them and discipline them and teach them and the personality differences and then their parents on back to school night and you know all that you're oh gosh and i'm like you get it you totally understand and he did when he came in he talked to me like just like a normal person yes you and i first met many years ago when i was mayor of walnut and i've said many times to my friends um being mayor or being in outside of the hospital made me a better doctor because I was around regular people. I was around normal people. Healthcare is not normal. <laughs> Physicians are not regular people. We are not. We have to relearn that. I, you know, it, it is so true. And and um, I I used to laugh a lot of times when when I was mayor. People would come to city council and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're calling us calling us names and. I would smile because for me, it was therapy, as, as crazy <laughs> as that sounds. Because I would say, number one, how bad can it be? Nobody's going to die here. So so the, the sprinklers don't work. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and then they're yelling at you. For That's it. right. <laughs> but but I think I think uh, it, it is it is strange how that occurs, but that we, we study so hard. It is so intense. But it is a different world. But yet we have to to treat people in the in the real world how do you treat somebody if you don't understand where they're coming from right. uh, you know and you know and how can you be empathetic with somebody if you've never seen or understood them and know anything about them or their culture or anything else and i'm not saying you've got to know all cultures you just got to know how to respect people and you learn respect just by being around people you know, um, but but clearly I learned that that I became a better doctor when I did non-medical stuff, when I interact with people, not as their physician, because as their physician, I'm in a certain mode. I'm in a certain frame of mind. I know what I'm going to say. I know what I'm going to go through, blah, 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 blah. But once I get outside, I'm just like you and you're just like me. And and that's eye opening for most physicians and hospitals now are working on that because there's such a high level of physician burnout and suicide. You know, the downside of, of what we do in ticket surgeons, because we're probably the extreme of that, uh, is that that stress and all that stuff has a toll. It takes a toll on us. At the end of the day, we tell ourselves that we're superhuman, but the reality is we're just like everybody else. And what I do when I get the docs together and I give them talks, I tell them that, you know, we're no better, no worse. Uh, and once we understand that, then we can deal with the reality of how can I be better? How can I be a better doctor? And the first way to be a better doctor is to be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better mom, be a better dad. Uh, because all because it's just human beings dealing with human beings. Doesn't matter what your what, what your career uh, is specifically. But I learned that by getting outside of medicine, I was better in medicine. You know, when I first met you, I I didn't see you as a doctor. Uh -huh. I knew your title, <laughs> but I didn't see you as a doctor. I understood or as the mayor. <laughs> um, so yeah, everything you're saying though makes complete sense. Um, you would, um, to go back to what I had said, there were two things that uh, I kind of wanted to talk about. One was, so this way students would understand 
um, decisions that they make, influences that they choose to either subscribe to or push away from them, negative. Uh-huh. The second is is uh, is suicide. Um, okay. And because, like I had said, I I fear that my friend might, in the end, just be suicidal. And uh, what's interesting is is also the uh, when we talked about suicide within physicians, and um, and even in teenagers now, it's just yes, pocketed. Yes. And, uh, and that's one of the things. I mean, I I why I wanted to talk about it is because, and I know we're transitioning here, is because. I feel like there's, and I've had a number of friends of mine commit suicide, mm-hmm. um, where they just felt there was no hope, yes, and, and they just felt better if if it was over with. Um, and you know, I wanted to, and and you brought it up already, how so many doctors and physicians, um, and even dentists, teachers, whatever. Um, in your opinion. Is is there like a medical reason why this is, or do you think it's pure, purely emotional? Um, like what you said, if if parents are saying, "Oh, you'll never amount to nothing," and then it finally it just builds up so much that it pushes them into anxiety, anxiety into stress, anger, depression, and then finally they're just ready to give up hope um, and and give up on life. Um, how do you feel about, especially if I can? bring this down even more so into focus sure. about high school students and and in particular junior high school and high school students who finally start to get a taste of social media with their cell phones because i i just came from our son's award ceremony this morning mm-hmm. he's in second grade he got an award and, and a bunch of other students got awards and they're just so lively but then when i cross and i look at, at junior high school students they're so withdrawn yes and, and and as I'm, you remember being in junior high school when you start to feel all mm-hmm. this, and and um, what is your opinion, and how do you think we can handle it as a parent like myself, who has an eight year old who eventually okay. four years is going to start being introduced to cell phones and social media. I, I think the first thing, and and actually we I've done a podcast on this, uh, a couple of them, that okay. it, this is normal. This is normal that, that all of us go through different stages. And what's what's interesting is that there are biological reasons for that. Uh, you know, obviously, an eight year old, an eight year old's brain is not as developed as a 15 year old's brain. And a 15 year old's brain, and I'm talking about cognitively now, is not as developed as a 25 year old's brain. So a lot of times the things that our, um, say, uh, teenagers do that make no sense, you know, they, they they're just trying to process everything. They don't understand like the 30 or the 40 year old parents saying, well, the smart thing to do would have been A, B, C and D. Um, You know, they're still trying to process this. And then to your point, you throw in this world of, of, of the web and the internet, which was not, which was not a factor when I was growing up. Um, And, and that just, that just magnifies everything because you can get everything on the internet. You get information 
uh, you can be reached or your children can be reached on the web without you being aware of it and and have a whole different world. So that just adds to the challenge. But, but to be specific, there are biological things that clearly account for the different stages of development in life, whether you're an eight-year-old, an 18-year-old, or a 28-year-old. Uh, the brain is different. Uh, the brain is 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 develop develops different. Number one. Second thing is the environment is is a factor. Uh, everybody's a little different, so there is no one size that fits all. But but there are certain basics and and, and basics like. Uh, self-esteem, self-wealth, uh, uh, worth. Um, and, and a lot of that comes from the people who are closest to you, mom and dad, or that teacher who you look up to, or that uh, in-law, that aunt, uh, uncle who you look up to. Those are the ones early on that can be, that can have a positive or negative impact on you. Um, in terms of different parts of schooling, I remember my worst time in, uh, was in junior high school when I was, when I was in school. Um, I, I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was in my, I think, my second foster home by this time. And I still would say I wanted to be a doctor, but but I wasn't doing it. I, I wasn't putting in the work. And in my aha moment, I remember my eighth grade teacher, Mrs. Hogue, she would go around the class and she'd ask people, what do you want to be when you want to grow up? And when she got to me, she said, Miss Choctaw, what do you want to be when you want to grow up? And I said, oh, I want to be a doctor, which is what I'd always said. And she laughed at me and everybody in the class laughed. And and she said, have you looked at your grades lately? You know, and, and she made me so angry, but she was right. She was right on the money. I, I was saying it because I always said it, but I wasn't walking that talk. And when, and, and when she pushed my button and when everybody in the class pushed my button, I then sort of woke up to some extent, if that makes sense. And I said, okay. I said, I'm going to show you. You know, my mother said I'm going to be a dog. I told her, blah, 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 blah. And and then I I, I switched courses. But just because you say it doesn't mean you're going to do it. You know, you got to you gotta walk that talk. Um, but my point is these stages of development are completely normal. They're completely normal. The, what I, my philosophy was with my kids, and I tell parents, keep the lines of communication open. I don't care whether they're 12 years old or 22 years old. Mm. Keep the lines of communication over, open. You can disagree with what they've done or their choices or their habits, and you can say that, but always end it with, I'm always here for you. You're a good person. This too shall pass. Blah, 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 blah. Always end it on a positive note, but always keep those lines of communication open with that child or young adult or teenager. Because once that cuts off, now you're lost because you have no idea what's going on because they aren't talking to you anymore. Uh, and normally, teenagers normally start to separate from mom and dad. Uh, they know, And that's why you want to have that other person outside of mom and dad who's a good person who can give them direction um as always we we, we thank you for your time and we thank you for your words of wisdom um and with that uh, you have you have a blessed day likewise 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Be sure to check out other great episodes covering areas of health, wealth, and wisdom at thwwp.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the books, blogs, and other literature in your preferred format. And don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, share, and support the podcast. That's at thwwp.com. You've been listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD.